For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What is going on, Thunder fans? You people are listening to Topic Thunder. Thunder fans, we are here for episode nine of the Topic Thunder Weekly. Uh, I'm here with Maddie Moles out of Nebraska. What's going on, Maddie? Oh, not a whole lot, man. Just uh, it's always good to be here for the weekly, and uh, you know we're rooting on a, a really good team. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun when your team's winning. It's a lot different than our one of our first weeklies was when we started 0 and four. Uh, so we definitely have a lot to celebrate in Thunder Thunder uh, World. Yeah, that that was a rough one, that first one. Um, well, yeah, we've come a long way since then, winning 12 of our last 14 games, kind of on a roll here. Uh, for now, there's some sketchy things going on with this Denver game, although we're threatening to make a comeback here a little bit at the end, but we'll see. It, it's been a it's been a weird game the whole time. Uh, so without further ado, we're gonna hook up the TiVo and Thunder fans. If you didn't get to watch any of these games, if you're a little behind, you don't have to explain to me why you need TiVo. All right, so we let off the week on the road against the Phoenix Suns. And the Thunder handled business 110 to 100. Some notes. Uh, Phoenix led 35 to 34 with 756 left in the second quarter. And then OKC went on a 29 to 12 run up into 706 left in the third. And then they coasted. Uh, OKC never led for less than eight in the game. And uh, Paul George was the player of the game. In 40 minutes, he had 32 points on 9 of 22 shooting, 3 of 10 from three-point land, but he was 11 for 11 from free throw with 10 boards, two assists, and three steals to go along with three blocks. Um, There you go. He, uh, Yeah, he was highly involved, and uh, he helped get us to a victory. The Thunder overall shot... Uh, 45% from the field, 29% from three, which isn't great, but 84.4% uh, 
from the stripe, which is greater than what they have been on the season. Um, <laughs> yeah, sign, you could say that. A sign of some things um, to come uh, during this week, for sure, for the Thunder, as far as shooting on the free throw line. They actually allowed the Suns to shoot 41% from three, um, which was big, but the Suns only shot 66% from the stripe. And the, the Thunder really held this game in check, um, like I said, from midway of the third quarter on uh, to, to end the game. Yeah, it was a good win, and it, it was a win that really set off a lot of momentum for the Thunder, or it seemed that way anyways. I mean, they were playing really well at the time. I think they were on something like a, an 8 out of 9 run going into that game. And then carried that through. Now, the unfortunate part is that the next game was against the Sacramento Kings. And I know we all had a little bit of a funny feeling in our stomach transitioning to playing the Kings again, who just worked us over uh, towards the back end of that four-game losing streak to open the season. However, this Kings game was the only loss that the Thunder had this week up until what looks like is about to be another one uh, against the Mm -hmm. Nuggets which is about to wrap up. Uh, so still, a, a, a two-loss week isn't ideal, obviously, but it's a little bit easier to handle when the Thunder played five games this week. Five games? How does that even happen? I thought the NBA was trying to optimize rest. Right. Um, I'm getting tired just watching five games during the week. Like, I can't imagine how tired the players must be getting. So, uh, But we should get a couple of days off. Here, I, I think our next game's what, um, after this Nuggets game, it's what, Wednesday, I think. Yeah. So um, that's a solid three full days uh, of rest. And then we'll get into, you know, a day of rest before the game on Wednesday night, too. So uh, good. <laughs> the players could probably yeah. use a week where they only play two games. Yeah, and we're getting to the forecast a little early, but back to the Kings game. It was really just an infuriating game. It felt very much like a game that we would have had to sit through last season where they were on the road against an inferior team, although the Kings are pretty decent, and just let the game get out of hand and just kept it close enough to where we had to keep watching the entire game. So that was a little frustrating. Um, Paul George had 27-9. and Russ had 29, 13, and 7 assists. He had a weird game against the Kings where his stats looked really good, but if you watch the game, he didn't play well, and he played with very low energy. Uh, Dennis Schroeder had 6 points on 3 of 17 shooting, which is very bad, and although he stepped up in a couple games later in the week, I think this is something that we might have to remember when we move on to player of the week later, this this six points on 17 shots outing in a loss. That's that's pretty crucial. Uh, Diallo, unfortunately, got overshadowed by the loss in this game when he scored 18 points on 7 of 7 shooting, 2 for 2 from 3, 2 for 2 from the line. They call that a perfect game. If he was playing baseball, we would have tried not to talk about it, but he's not, so we can. Uh, TLC broke out after a rough first half uh, and then caught his waterfall. 
which mm. was, which his waterfall in this game happened to be 11 points off the bench. So that was kind of a nice breakout game for him. The unfortunately, uh, Iman Shumpert <laughs> really put mm. his stamp on the game. He ended up with 23 points, which isn't that what he had in the first half? I, am I remembering that correctly? I thought I he, had he had 23 in the first half. I think he had something like 14, like super okay. early in the first quarter. Um, right, right, then, yeah. Yeah, he may have had 23 in the first half. Because I um, remember thinking when they said that at halftime, like, ooh, he has like a weird outside shot at getting 50. So I know he was up close to 25 just because mm-hmm. my math did that. Uh, so, yeah, that's where he ended up with 23. I think he might not have scored in the second half, which is odd. Uh, Buddy Heald also added 25, and then they had a trio of B's score in double digits with Bogdanovich, Bielitsa, and Bagley just all through in double digit points, and the Thunder just couldn't catch up. So that was a rough loss, but it's one that we kind of saw coming because we've seen this team play for a few years, but it's one that we kind of haven't expected to see this season. Yeah, I mean... The, the Kings are stacked. You know, there's no other way to put it. Uh, we joked about it earlier. We thought that it was a funny thing that Dylan said, and I don't even think he really meant it like that, although I will continue to, to rib him about it. Um, a, a team, it is a team, right? They they play very well together. They move the ball yeah. very good, you know, as a unit. Um, and... Buddy Heald had something like three three-pointers in a row in that fourth quarter just when we thought mm-hmm. that we had a chance, and he he really iced the game for the for the Kings, so it was pretty frustrating overall. Yeah, the Kings are fine. It's, it's not an embarrassing loss. It's just one that as well as the team was playing, we would have liked to see them not come out and lay an egg against them, but... Yeah. I'll snip that. I'll snip that at a bubble. But luckily, the next game, which was not a trap game, the Thunder did not come out and lay an egg in that one. The Thunder on national television took down the Warriors by 28 points at Oracle. 123 (laughs) to 95. Yeah, they did. So it was two all-stars in Russell Westbrook and Paul George going up against... Only two All Stars for yeah, the Warriors, only two. right? And Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson. Both Kevin and Clay had 27 points on the game, but um, and I, I know I just mentioned Paul George and Russell Westbrook, but none of those guys were the best player on the court. That was one Dennis the Menace Shredder Schroeder who <laughs> scored 32 points. On 12 of 19 shooting, 5 of 6 from 3, and he was perfect 3 of 3 from the free throw line. He also added in 4 boards and 4 assists, and he he was just all over the place. Um, Any big moment that the Thunder needed, uh, somebody to step up, it seemed like he always had an answer. Um, Of course, it's easy to do when you hit 5 of 6 from 3. Some notes in that game. Uh, the Thunder only trailed for 51 seconds in this one. 51 Uh whole seconds. And it was during two separate stretches. Um, 
At 8.20, they took over the lead in the second, and then they never trailed after. Um, they pulled away in the fourth. At 10.27, they were, uh, the Thunder were up 89-85, to 85, and then went on to coast to a 28-point victory. Uh, Steve Kerr waved the white flag really early, pulled his starters, I think, with like five minutes left, and then the Thunder uh, second unit just kept on pouring on points. Some key uh, box scores in this one. Russell Westbrook was 5 of 15 from the field. 1 of 5 from 3. Didn't make a free throw. But he had 11 boards, 13 assists, and 11 points to record his first triple-double of the season. And Paul George was 10 of 23 from the field. 4 of 11 from 3. And he tallied 9 boards, 5 assists, and 25 points overall. This in my estimation, or my opinion, was the greatest uh, or the best Thunder victory of the season, um, both in the the moment that it was held in um, and just the dominating fashion that the team came together and, and just whooped up on the defending champs. Yeah, I'll give you that. Although the, the one where they beat the Rockets without Russ was pretty great, too. Sure. I, I'll, I'll take both and be happy about it. Yeah. Right, yeah, we can be thrilled about both. Uh, uh, that game, like you said, Russ was 5 for 15. It's one of the rare games in Thunder history where it seemed like he realized he wasn't making shots and legitimately deferred to Dennis Schroeder, who had the hottest of hands. Like That's really good to see that Russ can recognize that now and that he has the respect for the players around him to do that. And they kept posting up Adams all the way throughout that game, so that was really mm-hmm. good to see too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and of note, it seemed like I made a comment on Twitter. This was the red wedding of ankle injuries for the Thunder in this one. It seemed yeah. like everybody was going down with an ankle injury. Um, we had uh, some friendly fire where Nerlens Noel took a shot to the face. Um, he came back looking like Nelly, uh, so Nelly Nerlens <laughs> is the is the the new Twitter handle, Nelly or, or Nelly Noel, if you will. Um, Nellens Noel. Ne- yeah, right. Um, God, how could I possibly get that one wrong ever? Um, especially if you're maybe a, a national broadcaster. I don't know. It, I feel like people need to eventually learn how to say people's names right. Anyway, um, the the good news is Hami wasn't uh, out for the year. Uh, it was a, a lower leg injury, short an ankle sprain. Um, one that um, Dr. Stephen Dolan uh, was able to analyze immediately after it happened. And everybody I... thought, and, yeah, and everybody thought it was going to be something serious, and it looked serious. But I should just bow down to the master and realize that it's uh, that it wasn't as bad as it as it was supposed to be, or we thought it was. Um, well, hey James man, Ferguson, even even when even though I predicted that live, I was like just a rolled ankle. Like once the stretcher came out and they put his leg in the sleeve, I was like apologizing to people in the replies, being like, "It was before they did that." I swear. <laughs> like, I, yeah, right. It, it made me second and third guess it when they brought the stretcher out. So I'm not going to say I had the utmost confidence in that prediction, but I'm glad I turned out to be right. Yeah, I'm glad you turned out to be right too. Um, surprisingly enough, uh, Terrence Ferguson had an ankle injury in this one as well, but it didn't. It, it was actually 
more severe potentially than that that Hamadou Diallo suffered. Um, as there's two additional days on the reeval yeah. timeline for Terrence Ferguson. Um, so we'll see. We'll make it make it three because that, that report came out a day later. So let's make it three days. Oh, that's true. That's <laughs> true. Um, so uh, so that, that was a pretty significant injury, but hopefully we get Hami back soon um, because our uh, depth at the two spot is becoming scarce. Yeah, it really is. Uh, we're down to our fifth string shooting guard. And like Abrinas is still, he, he still looks like he's trying to work his way back from that illness. I don't know what he had. It, it was viral. It like, it, it seemed to be a bad virus. Um, Alex Roig of the unit mentioned on the Twitter feed that, what is that? Is Did he have Ebola? Did he have <laughs> meningitis? I don't think he included that one, but what was it Spanish flu? Like he... He had something serious, and it's really ridiculous. Like, he's been out for a week and a half, and then he's been back the last three games, the first of which he did not play at all. The second one, he played a very few minutes, and then the third one, he just didn't look like himself. Um, Mm -mm. But, yeah, like, the, the scarcity of two guards on this team right now actually caused... For this next game, Billy Donovan to start Dennis Schroeder alongside Russell Westbrook, which is something right. we haven't seen yet this season. And I don't know, like it's it's interesting. Like he they can play together. We've seen that. It's obvious. And I've seen a lot of people pointing out that the Thunder only had 13 points off the bench in this next game against the Hornets. And pointing that out like it's a bad thing. And I just really don't agree with that point of view. Like, yeah, they only had 13 points off the bench, but Dennis Schroeder was playing against bench units. It's like Ray Felton played a few minutes in this game, but he wasn't the primary ball handler. Like, I, I don't I don't think there were any minutes in the Hornets game where one of Russell Westbrook or Dennis Schroeder were not on the court. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I I, I can't think of any. Yeah, I think they I think one of them was on the court at all times. So the idea that not having bench points is a bad thing, I I just don't agree with that. Like they he's still scoring against bench units and it doesn't matter that he happened to start. We just want firepower 20 or 48 minutes for the whole game long, right? That's the whole point of having bench points is that you're not getting killed at one point during the game. And that didn't happen. So, like, if they want to keep starting him in the absence of Andre Robertson, Hamadou Diallo, Terrence Ferguson, and healthy Alex Abrinas, like, fine, start him. I don't care that we don't have scoring off the bench because we know they're going to be staggered. Like, so, whatever. But having said that, the Thunder beat the Hornets 109 to 104. It was a solid win, and much like we talked about with the Kings, how that just felt like a loss from last season, this Hornets game felt like a game they would have lost last season, and they didn't. So I think that's a big deal. Uh, Russ had 30 points on 18 shots, which is ridiculously efficient for Russ. Uh, 12 rebounds and 8 assists. He was mostly under control. Schroeder had 23 and 5 rebounds. Paul George had 19. 
seven rebounds and six assists, continuing a trend of well-rounded stat lines on offense from Paul George. He's really filling up the box score this season. Uh, Steven Adams had 13-8 and four assists, which he's done a couple of times recently. That's noteworthy. Uh, Jeremy Grant added 11-6, and and then much like in the last game I hooked up the TiVo for, we had a breakout off the bench. In the first game, it was TLC breaking out for 11. In this game, it was Deontay Burton breaking out for 11 of his own, including two massive dunks, one of them right on the head of... Is it Miles Bridges? Is that who it was on? Yep, yep. Yeah, okay. Miles Bridges. And then he also added a three-pointer from the wing, not even from the corner. Uh, He he had a confident stroke on that three, and there's absolutely nothing that this guy doesn't do with confidence. So it's good to see him starting (laughs) to get into the lineup a little bit, right? Yeah, I mean, he's the type of guy who could probably walk into your house off the street and say, you know what, bro, I could do this right now. And, like, have never had any, like, experience whatsoever. (laughs) <laughs> and you'd believe him. You'd believe that he's gonna that he's gonna be able to do it well. And I mean, the dude just he gets buckets. Uh, you know that he has that value after watching him. I really um, before the season, obviously, I didn't have much knowledge of him um, in his game. Oh, like you're not guy, watching the you're not watching the South Korean professional basketball league in your <laughs> spare time. <laughs> no, I don't have that kind of spare time. Um, but the dude, the dude can straight up fill it up. Uh, he's he can create for himself. I haven't really been able to see him create for others, but maybe with how depleted our roster is right now with injuries, him being able to get some of that burn with the second unit and to just go against guys that maybe aren't great on defense anyway, um, can allow the Thunder to get some quality minutes and, and allow maybe Russ or Paul George or both to even get a rest at times. Yeah, or at least at least provide some an extra body when the Thunder are missing four players on the wing. It's nice to have a guy on a two-way contract that can kind of fill in a little bit there. 100%. All right, so and as we have mentioned a couple times, the Thunder lost their game against the Nuggets. Uh, for more information on that, be sure and check out the recap that will have come out last night. Um, so... Go back and catch that one. But that makes the Thunder 2-5 and five on this very heavy week. Uh, moving on to next week for a very light week. But before we do that, what do you got, Maddie? Yeah, so winning, winning three out of five games is, is not a bad week uh, at all. Um, dropping to Sacramento isn't great. And then losing our only division loss. Also, our, our, our only division game uh, that mm-hmm. we played so far uh, also isn't great. Um, but there was one player that was pretty consistent throughout the week, um, and we will crown him known as the Player of the Week. And the Player of the Week is Paul George. Way to go, Paul. Yeah, Paul, Paul George was really good this week. Uh, he came out with 25.4 points a game, which is slightly above his season average. 
He chipped in 9.4 rebounds a game, which is pretty remarkable. That's uh, bordering on a double-double week, you know, for a guy who's not an oversized small forward, just like a standard-sized small forward. He was really attacking the boards. He also added 3.8 assists per game this week, which is something that we've seen throughout the season. Uh, You know, Russell Westbrook's missed a lot of games, but even in these last few with Russ in the lineup, he's put up a large amount of assists. In addition to his offensive output and on the boards, he had his usual defensive prowess going for 1.8 steals and 1.6 blocks per game. He's still among the league leaders in steals and 1.6 blocks per game, again, for a regularly sized small forward is really impressive. He just had a really good all-around week uh, despite being subpar from the field at only 39.6% from the field and 33% from three-point line. He did manage to shoot 84.6% from the free throw line, including an 11 of 11 game, which is huge for this team right now. Yeah, I mean, his hands, again, people say he's potentially the best two-way player in basketball, um, right alongside Kawhi Leonard, right, as, you know, they're one and two Mm -hmm. in the league. Um, this week was no different. Paul George was great on the defensive side. Getting some steals, getting some blocks, and getting us out in transition, which is where we thrive. And then doing a lot of great things in the half-court set. And also being able to get some assists as well to set some other people up. So it's not just all about him. Um, his game, being a great two-way player, is translated to overall team success. And that resulted in us getting three wins out of five. Um, and potentially could have been four uh, wins out of five attempts this week. Uh, So, Paul George, you are our player of the week. Congratulations. What does that mean? Do I get get anything? Did I win? Do I get a bonus? (laughs) That'll be sick. (laughs) I don't know. Seems dumb. It does. Uh, We did have some tough calls. Uh, The... Number two, if you will, player of the week was one uh, Dennis Schroeder. Do you got any stats on him, Steve? Yeah, he had kind of a breakout week. And if it wasn't for that previously mentioned six points on 17 shots game in the loss against the Kings, he probably would have claimed this totally meaningless award, as Stephen Adams would put it (laughs) in this week. He, He probably would have taken it home, but... He ended up with 18.8 points, 4.2 rebounds, 3.8 assists, and 1.4 steals. He, most noteworthy, shot 40% from three, which is something the team sorely needs. And he also shot 100% from the free throw line on only 12 attempts. But these are the kind of stats that the Thunder are just ecstatic to get from a backup point guard. And again, if it wasn't for that one terrible game, which... You know, it's really remarkable that his stats look so good with an outlier like that included. But if it wasn't for that one terrible game where Paul George was just more consistent throughout the week, then we probably could have given this to Dennis Schroeder. Again, Dennis, sorry. You were great. Sorry we can't give the award to you. I'm sure you care a lot. Yeah, as as you should. I mean, step your game up next week and you'll be able to take the award down. So That's right. Step your game up, Dennis. 
All right, so moving on from player <laughs> of the week, we're just going to do some general discussion about the NBA at large, um, specifically the Western Conference, because the Western mm. Conference standings are crazy right now by virtue of the Western Conference standings, which have updated for some, at least, of tonight's games. And uh, it looks like the Golden State Warriors have reclaimed the number one spot in the rankings tonight. Uh, what were they before tonight? Sixth? <laughs> Fifth? Uh, yeah, they were... They were... Fourth? They were fourth. Um, there was a three-way fourth. tie right. going into tonight, and uh, the the Warriors were able to take down the vaunted Sacramento Kings, one seventeen to one sixteen at home. Um, yeah, it's the the world as we know well, it is I'm... all is all is right apparently uh, with the hierarchy yeah. of how things should go in the NBA. Um, and it, it just it kind of is what it is at this point. But um, so we've got Golden State at one. Uh, then we've got the Los Angeles Clippers at two, which we all saw coming at the beginning of the season. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. They've uh, and they actually have the same win percentage as the Warriors right now, who just happen to have played three more games. So have been able to match match that percentage. Yeah. And then. um Tied with them is another team we all saw coming, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, but they're healthy, right? The Grizzlies are healthy, and they are yeah. um, kind of in the semi-grindhouse uh, type of <laughs> basketball, even though they're allowing 100 points per game uh, to opponents. Um, but crazily enough, that is really low in today's NBA. Um, right. Keep that in comparison. The Warriors are allowing 110 points a game, and the Clippers are allowing 113 points a game. The Grizzlies are doing it at a slower pace um, and just uh, efficient basketball on the offensive end and keeping opponents uh, not as efficient on the defensive end. So their formula is working out pretty good for them. And then we have the Denver Nuggets at four. And... uh, they're doing that on the heels of the Thunder's loss tonight to them at home. Um, Denver's playing exceptionally well overall in the season. They started off hot, hit a, a rough stretch, and they have just won three or won their last three games. Um, however, they're only four of six in their last ten. Yeah, and I'd like to point out that despite the Thunder just having lost to the Denver Nuggets um, by a not insignificant amount. Um, the Thunder are still in possession of the second overall point differential in the Western Conference, which is just below Denver, and that's all. Better than the Warriors. Take that, Warriors. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the Thunder's point differential is 5.4 points better than opponents per game. Um, which is one point better than the third place Golden State Warriors in that uh, statistic behind Denver, who is at 6.8. Yeah, yeah. Um, So yeah, then you finish up the standings behind Denver with Portland, Oklahoma City, Los Angeles, and Sacramento. 
And then there's a bunch of teams out of the playoffs that everybody's a little bit surprised by. Um, so, yeah, let's just go through a few of these teams and kind of talk about what's going on with them this season. Uh, like you said, starting out with the Los Angeles Clippers, that's a big surprise, right? Like, uh, going into tonight, they were on the same kind of streak as the Thunder, winning eight out of their last ten. The Thunder now down to seven out of their last ten. But eight out of the last ten for the Clippers, up to 12-6. and six. And from a team that everybody thought would be on the outskirts of the playoffs. And now, look, it's early. But it's got to be encouraging if you're a Clippers fan to look at the standings and see yourself sitting right below the Golden State Warriors and with the same win percentage. Yeah, I mean, you know, people say it's early, but we're almost a quarter of the way done with the the season, right? Um, you know, 82 games. Did you just a year. call me people? Did you just call what me? What do you people? mean, you people? What do you mean, you people? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but the Clippers, overall as a unit, they are looking very good. Um, Danilo Gallinari has had several games where he's been super efficient and just lit it up, like five for eight style from three. Um, and the Thunder weren't excluded from that earlier on in the season. Gallinari is a baller when he's healthy. The problem with him is he just hasn't been healthy for much of the last several seasons. And now you're starting to see him do what he was paid to do. Um, and, and the Clippers are the beneficiaries of that. So, do you have anything else to add to the Clippers? Uh, no, not really. I, If I'm being honest, I don't expect them to end up in the top half of the Western Conference playoff standing. Um, maybe not even the top half of the Western Conference standings. It's It's got to be a feel-good start for their fans. But I think most NBA fans kind of expect it to drop off. The interesting team right below them in the standings right now is the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, they're 12-6. and six. They've won seven out of the last ten. And, I mean, look, they everybody always knew that if this team can stay healthy, they're formidable. And outside of Chandler Parsons, who <laughs> I don't... I don't even know what to say about Chandler Parsons. I don't want to be mean, so I'll just skip him. Outside of Chandler Parsons, like Mike Conley has been on fire this season. Uh, Marcus All is getting a little bit of Defensive Player of the Year buzz earlier in this season. Like they're playing out of their minds right now, and it's kind of hard for me as a Thunder fan, given all the battles that we've been through against that team. But even despite the close games and the close losses and all the struggles against them, I think Thunder fans have always had a pretty good amount of respect for the Grizzlies players, especially Gasol and Conley and even Zach, Zach Randolph going back to him. But I don't mm. think there's a lot of animosity toward that team, which is odd considering they've taken each other to seven games at least twice, right? Right. One series with a record number of overtimes. Usually, that kind of familiarity breeds animosity. But I'm rooting for the guys. I hope they, I hope they do good, man. Yeah, and they don't have Tony Allen on the roster anymore, right? So like that, right. that guy was a guy who was a huge thorn in our side. Um, 
Speaking of yeah, he was a nuggets. thorn in our he was a thorn in our side. He was a thorn in our side, but also uh, like I went to Oklahoma State University. Like I couldn't hate him either. Like right. I I wish yeah. the refs would have called more fouls when he was guarding Kevin Durant, but I never hated the guy. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I mean, you you respect him, right? I mean, right. we would look at Patrick Beverly the same way if Patrick Beverly just didn't take a couple of cheap shots at Russ's knees, right? Like. Yeah, he's just that type exactly. of a scrappy player. But that's the identity of what the the grindhouse um, mantra was for the Grizzlies for so long. Um, of note for them, uh, they're getting ready. It seems like to sign Joking Noah um, and bring him in after having talked or been in discussions for a couple of months. Um, so, what do you think about mm. that fit for the Grizzlies? Uh, he's only going to play when Marcus All isn't playing. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's he'll be there, Nerlens Noel. Right. At best, they're not going to play yeah. together, are they? <laughs> um, no, that those games definitely don't mesh well at all. But no, he can come in and give some stab- stabilization to the second unit at times when they need to. He's not going to score a lot, but he's a decent enough passer. And he's aggressive enough on defense and can get boards and do some of the dirty work too. And also of note for how, you know what he can bring to the table, he brings six fouls a game against a big man if if they <laughs> you know get into a matchup like that. So I'd imagine you know bringing being able to put him in say against Stephen Adams for a while can keep Gasol uh, somewhat fresh on the offensive end in spurts. So. Uh, it's just interesting. It's another good body that they can use, and he's got some skill, even if he didn't show much of it at all in New York. Yeah, that's true. And, I mean, it'll surely just be on a minimum contract, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so low risk. It's it's the Houston Rockets bringing Carmelo Anthony in deal of boring places and people. <laughs> So, uh, moving on from Memphis, I think we all wish them the best. Um, the Portland Trailblazers have had an interesting start to the season. I remember less than a week ago, they were sitting at the number one seed in the West, mm-hmm. and it was all pie in the sky, and then they've subsequently lost four of their last six games. So, kind of falling back down to earth a little bit, uh, Dame's had a pretty good year. They've all had pretty good years, which is what it takes to be in competition in the Western Conference right now. But do you think that's going to last? I think I think the Trailblazers are a playoff team. Um, obviously, I don't think they're you know top two or three uh, seed in the Western Conference. That won't happen again uh, like last year. But um, I, I think that the... Uh, I think the Blazers are deep enough. They have enough playmakers. They've just gone through a rough stretch. Uh, and, and the whole Western Conference is weird, right? Um, there's only yeah. a half game that separates the Clippers from the the Thunder, who are at six, spoiler alert. Um, mm-hmm. and or, or a full game, if you count the Lakers at the seven seed. And then from the eight seed all the way down into the the second to last team in the conference, it's only two games <laughs> different. Yeah. So um, you can see 
they're getting at 500 may be close enough to get you in in the the playoffs this year um it's just it's going to be tough i i see us going to the last week of the season maybe not knowing what the bottom half of the western conference seating is going to look like um i think the trailblazers will be in that range of teams like the five maybe to 12 uh in the conference anywhere in there but i think that they will finally finish up in the top eight yeah maybe man i mean like you said that uh, it may be a 500 team that makes the west and we've seen that kind of stuff in the east for a long time and always taking it as a way to put down the teams and it'll be interesting if we see the exact same situation in the standings in the West and everybody's just like, but no, these teams are good. I swear. And (laughs) it might not even work out like that. Like maybe we'll end up with 11 teams substantially above 500 in the West, just from kicking the crap out of teams in the Eastern conference all season, you know? Yeah. To keep that in perspective, because I don't know how much we're going to talk about the, um, the Eastern conference. Uh, we have the Orlando Magic sitting at the eight seed right now with a nine and yeah. ten record, yeah. right? Like the Spurs have a nine and ten record <laughs> and are the fourth worst team in the conference, um, right. just a half game above Minnesota and a game ahead of the Jazz. So you got teams like the Hawks, the Cavaliers, the Bulls, and the Knicks who all have eighteen wins between those four teams alone. Yeah. As we speak today. Um, and then there's just one bad team in the in the West with the Phoenix Suns winning four games. So um, it's a little different makeup out West. Yeah. You mentioned that the Spurs are tied with the Magic, that the Wolves and Jazz are below the Magic. And as far as record goes, I would hazard to say that those teams are better than the Magic. Yeah. 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 So I, it's just I, a matter it's just it's just a matter of these teams getting the cycle through against these Eastern Conference teams and just chalk up these easy losses which makes it all the more enjoyable that the Thunder are finally putting away bad teams this season because they have to. They're going to have to. After the Portland Trail Blazers and then after the Oklahoma City Thunder, we get to the 7th seeded Los Angeles Lakers who are 11 and seven right now, who are also on a bit of one um, eight out of the last 10, much like the thunder just were, they kind of figured it out immediately following the acquisition of Tyson Chandler. I don't know how much credit he gets for it, but that's when it happened. What do you think? You think Tyson Chandler's for MVP? Um, I don't know, man. Uh, we'll see how the rest of the season shakes out. But it's interesting in a team that was supposed to have a strong identity with some of the players that they brought in um, that maybe weren't didn't seem like the best fit on paper to play alongside LeBron James as they weren't really like great spot up shooters. Um, it may end up being Tyson Chandler that actually gets some of these young bucks to play the way that LeBron wants them to in order for them to be ready for playoff basketball later on and. I mean, they're eight and two in the last ten, and three game win streak. It looks great uh, so far in Lake Lakerland. Um, mm-hmm. w- we'll see. Uh, I think Tyson Chandler is a, a great veteran presence, but 
they have a lot of that on the team. So I don't really know what he's offering that the other guys aren't. Yeah. Uh, I think they're, they're going to go exactly as far as LeBron takes them. And he's been pretty good the last few weeks and he wasn't great the weeks before. So I think it just comes down to him. He's their superstar. And I don't know. They're only good player. <laughs> um, like yeah, who else? Did, did they have another like even in the conversation for the All Star Game player? Um, no, they were hoping that Ingram was going to take a step forward, and he just no, hasn't. No, no, no. They were no. hoping Lonzo Ball would be a fringe guy, and he just hasn't been. <laughs> um, I really like Kyle Kuzma. I think he's yeah, got a lot of skill. Sure. Not All Star caliber. Um, yeah, but maybe that's exactly what they need, right? Maybe LeBron has learned something a little bit, and he's allowing these guys to grow. And one thing he said when things were looking pretty shaky and he was starting to get a little frustrated in his interviews was, I had to take a step yeah. back and analyze what is the, what's the big picture. That interview, what the, was it he said? I, what was it he said? I almost caved. I almost caved. Yeah. I almost uh, I caved. almost caved. Wow. Dramatic much, LeBron? Like, <laughs> dude, you had a slow start to the season and you almost caved? Like, way to make it all about yourself, man. Ugh. Yeah. Well, but I think the big picture that he's looking at is these young guys are getting some experience and it's a chance for them to weed out who's going to be able to play alongside LeBron um next year and whoever can't um and can't be a role player um they they won't be on the team next year they'll move them somehow and then they will have uh plenty of cap room to go after a free agent that's on the market maybe a clay thompson type of player or chris middleton according to reports today uh type of player to play alongside lebron but the fact that LeBron said I almost caved that that kind of made me chuckle because welcome to the Western Conference, pal. Like, yeah, you've totally. avoided it your whole career. You you don't just yeah. get gifted finals appearances out here, so um, it's a whole different animal. Yeah, and it's a little bit of a catch twenty two if he's trying to use these guys as assets while also not giving them enough air to develop and to to put forth their best foot to improve their trade value. Because as of right now, how much value does Lonzo Ball have? Like, he's not going to bring back a a top two, second overall pick. He's not going to bring back that value right now. No way. And Brandon Ingram isn't even... Brandon Ingram isn't going to even bring back as much value as he would have during this summer. (laughs) So... Like it's plummeting. You got if you want to make a move, you need to do it, or you need to let these guys develop. Yeah. So looking at some of the young talent the Lakers have had, or high draft picks the Lakers have had, Lonzo Ball is second pick, right? Brandon Ingram, second pick. Before that, D'Angelo Russell, second or third pick. <laughs> uh, yeah. And wasn't right. Julius Randle like a top five pick, also? Yeah. Yeah, so not and they just out. let him walk. They just let Julius Randle walk. Yeah, they got nothing for him. Um, so very, uh, very interesting 
um, with some of the talent that they've had or that they've brought in in the draft. So they're trying to see who can fit alongside LeBron, and then they got to go out in free agency and just bring in guys. So um, I, I think that's what the overall big picture is for the the Lakers. And then yeah, they staying- have to. They have to. Like if if they don't get one of those guys in free agency, they're not going to get one via trade right now. So like the the only way that they have a path to being a contender is to get a Kawhi Leonard, Clay Thompson, just to come to them. Which is, I guess, what you get to root for if you're a Lakers fan, which must be nice. Yeah, well, um, the Knicks think that they're going to get to make a run at one of those guys, too. Um, <laughs> I don't think they're going to get Kyrie um, like they expected to. Uh, they're probably not going to get Jimmy Butler. Although, did you see the report that Anthony Davis was open to accepting a trade to the Celtics? Yeah, but they can't do that while Kyrie's there, right? Because they can't have exactly. two Rose Roll guys on the, on the squad at the same time. Right, but Kyrie's contract is almost up. So if the Celtics think they can actually get Anthony Davis, they would have to let Kyrie walk, and then maybe the Knicks are back in contention for him. Or maybe they get a three-team deal and move Kyrie somewhere and bring in Anthony Davis and move... Um, you know, whoever that third team is can put some value back to the Pelicans sure. as well. So I don't yeah, know, maybe. Sure. But uh, it gets really complicated, right? Because then Kyrie would still have to agree to stay there or else that team's like, no, no, no. So, yeah. Yeah, well, we'll see. But like, it's it's very interesting. If, if Anthony Davis comes out publicly and says he wants to go there, that <laughs> completely mm-hmm. throws Kyrie Irving's future just into the blender. Yeah, it'd be very interesting to see where Kyrie ends up after that. But I, I don't know. I mean, people have been linking Anthony Davis to the Celtics for a while. Some other teams on there were the Lakers and the Knicks as well. So um, we'll see. Uh, and then the Pelicans were on that list also. I, I think part of that's, you know, if those reports are true, part of it's him not wanting to throw that organization under the bus um, while still he's trying to fight for a playoff spot. He's only half game out from eight eighth seed right now in the Western conference. Um, and they are six and four, the Pelicans, uh, since we probably won't talk about them in their last 10 while being eight and one at home. So they do have a lot to, to hang their hat on. Um, they're not great on the road. They're two and nine on the road. So they obviously need some help and some guys to take over, uh, for Anthony Davis. But, um, I think that, I think that Anthony Davis in 2020 will be playing elsewhere. I can't guarantee that it's going to be for a team like the Lakers or a team like the Celtics. Yeah, I mean, another reason he might have added the Pelicans onto that list sincerely is he can get more money there. (laughs) That's not nothing. I mean, I know we've seen Jimmy Butler and Paul George and Kyrie Irving potentially like be willing to forfeit money and in Paul George's case actually forfeit that money to get where they wanted to be or more accurately to get out of where they didn't want to be but it's not nothing he can make more money with New Orleans than he can anywhere else so we can't just straight up rule them out so here's a question for you Maddie okay there are currently i think 
all due respect to the Sacramento Kings, currently sitting in the eighth seed. All due respect to the Dallas Mavericks at nine and nine right now, currently in the tenth seed. And no due respect to the Phoenix Suns. They, well, I guess I guess it's all the due respect. They are due no respect. So all due respect <laughs> to the Phoenix Suns. All due They're necessary 13, respect, right? All all necessary respect. There are 13 teams in the Western Conference, I think, that people think are contenders for those playoff spots. So we have the teams in right now, Golden State, Clippers, Grizzlies, Nuggets, Trailblazers, Thunder, Lakers. And then we have these teams sitting on the outside looking in. New Orleans Pelicans with Anthony Davis who's very, very good. The Houston Rockets with James Harden and Chris Paul, one of whom is very, very good and one of whom probably is still very, very good. And minus a Carmelo Anthony, who is very, very bad. We have the San Antonio Spurs, who have DeMar DeRozan and Greg Popovich. I think those are their two all-stars. And LaMarcus Aldridge, who's been an... All-star sure. caliber player. Yeah. Yeah. Good for him. Uh, and then <laughs> the, Minnesota, the Minnesota Timberwolves, who finally got rid of their best player. <laughs> and are and their worst okay. player at the same time. Yeah, they're, they're doing okay. Uh, they're 5-5 five and five in their last 10. And then the Utah Jazz, who <laughs> a lot of people thought would be the number two seed in the West. But... Donovan Mitchell seems to be shooting a lot of shots, and their defense seems to be not as good as expected, which is weird. Um, one small thing to throw in about Utah is we saw at the beginning of the season that the Thunder's defense was struggling with their physicality not being allowed anymore, but they've adapted since. It seems like Utah might not have been to adapt, been able to adapt like the Thunder have, and I think that's an athleticism thing. But... Okay, so of the Pelicans, Rockets, Spurs, Timberwolves, and Jazz currently on the outside looking in, who do you think of those five are going to get into the playoffs? Well, I think that we got to answer who's falling out, right, of the top eight. I think the Kings are going to fall out. I think the Clippers will fall out eventually, and I think the Grizzlies will fall out eventually. That's the two and three seed. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, (laughs) yeah i i i I, it's a long season um and i i just i don't think they'll have enough to get there um you know you know some people say some people say it's a long season but we're already a quarter of the way through it have you heard (laughs) oh okay i think i may have heard myself say that earlier um I got you. Okay. Uh, so it's going to be like that, listeners. It's going to be like that tonight. Um, the uh, I I think that the Rockets and the Spurs are definitely going to figure out a way to get in. I'm never going to bet against Greg Popovich making the playoffs. I'm just never okay. going to do it. Um, James Harden will be able to flop into the playoffs too. So uh, <laughs> he'll figure that out. Um, and they have a lot of good pieces in Houston, even though some of their depth is gone from last year. This isn't the same Rockets team uh, that we saw last year. Um, 
The Mavericks are close. I think they're closer than we expected them at the beginning of the season. Luka Doncic is the truth. I think he's the real deal. Um, and I, I see the Jazz eventually turning it around. I think that Donovan Mitchell's going through a slump right now. And they have lost three, and they've lost four of their last six. Um, but I, I think the Jazz will eventually be able to figure out what their identity is going to be besides giving it to Mitchell and letting him jack up shots all game long. They're going to get some type of offensive system back, and that's going to help them. Um, and I think the Timberwolves are going to be able to be right there too. So if I got to pick those three to replace the Clippers, Grizzlies, and the Kings, I'm going to definitely take the Rockets and Spurs, and I think I'll take the Jazz to finally figure it out and get out of the cellar of the Western Conference. Okay. All right. Yeah, I can see that. I, and I mean, look, I the Jazz are 8-11 and 11 right now, and they're only – two games back of a playoff spot. I mean, they're only, I mean, there's kind of a gap starting to grow between the seventh and eighth seed, but I know there's teams moving up in that direction, but I think the jazz are at risk and they need to start picking it up ASAP. Cause there's not any more time to dilly dally around the bottom of the standings. They got to do it now or never. But if I had to pick who's going to go in and who's going to go out, I think I pick Memphis to stay. I I don't know. Like Conley has been so good this season, mm-hmm. and may, maybe it's just my heart hoping they stay healthy. But if they do, they're gonna make the playoffs. Like they're really, really good on defense, and there's only a few good defensive teams in the league right now. So I think if I had to pick, I would say the Kings fall out. I would say the Trailblazers fall out. I Ooh. think honestly, like I think they got off to a really hot start in the season, but I think they have a real chance of not making the playoffs this year. And other than that, I think everybody in is going to stay in. I don't think the Clippers like they're made for the regular season. They have like 12 good players. <laughs> that's that's how you win games in the regular season. That they're not going to win in the playoffs, but they're going to they're going to pile up a lot of wins against bad teams. So I think Houston gets in. I think the Jazz get in, and I think the Pelicans and the Spurs are looking from the outside once the playoffs start. I don't think the Spurs are going to make it. Wow, so you're betting against Greg Popovich to get into the playoffs. Hey, I hey, I'm predicting against Greg Popovich. I didn't put any money down. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm not betting. Fair. Yeah, this is not a gambling podcast, uh, ladies and gentlemen. This is a this is opinion disclaimer and analysis. This is not telling you to put money on the Spurs missing the playoffs. Yeah, so I think that about covers. We, we've gone through the Western Conference a little bit. We've ignored the Eastern Conference for the most part, which is fine. Yeah, there's like four good teams, and we know who they are, and they're going to get the top four seeds, and they'll figure it out over there. Uh, Although, I will say, the Celtics haven't looked as good as we expected them to. I think a lot of people picked them to be the one seed out of the East and they're at 10 and 10 right now with the sixth seed. Um, 
They're five and three at home, which is okay, but they're five and seven on the road, which is not okay. And they only have a 2.1 point point differential in the Eastern Conference, which isn't the greatest. So the Celtics, I think Stevens will get it figured out. I think eventually those guys will settle down and be able to play well. Um, but it's interesting because they got a lot of ground to make up. They are six games behind the Raptors at the one seed. And the Bucks also look really good. So I, I think that the Celtics are going to have some tough sledding once they do get in the playoffs. They may be a four or a five seed, potentially, um, just with how much ground they're giving up early on. Yeah, I think they'll be fine. And I think a large amount of the disparity between what people predicted they would be and what they actually are is that people were thinking that Gordon Hayward would be his self. And he just hasn't been. So... If he finds himself or if they rejigger the minutes a little bit around him, reducing his and maybe increasing others, like I think they'll be fine. Now, the the question is, is Kyrie Irving happy? And who really knows what's going on inside that guy's head? But I think they'll be fine at the end of the day. I mean, we know who the top four seeds are. No matter how bad they are, they're going to get there. <laughs> yeah, but have you seen that uh, that workout video that was posted about Kyrie? Um, it's all over Twitter yeah, I, right now. I don't believe it. Yeah, I you don't, don't believe it. it. I, I, no, I think that's a viral marketing thing that they that they that him and Nike are doing. It's all it's all photoshopped. It's not real real life. I don't believe it. <laughs> I I think they they I, I just think it's a commercial. It's a viral marketing commercial for him to sell shoes. He has one of the most popular shoes in the league right now. So look out for a. Uh, Nike Kyrie Irving signature shoe commercial to come out lately telling you how they stick you to the floor or they they help your balance or something in the next couple of weeks calling it yeah well um it's gonna say something like the earth is flat and you could be parallel to the earth and not touch it yeah by something shoe. like that yeah I mean I hope they don't I hope they don't mislead our children in that way but you know, with a, with a, an ask with an asterisk that says we are against yeah. Thanksgiving. <laughs> the earth, <laughs> the earth is asterisk. The earth is actually not flat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that that's my prediction. Now I saw the one of him standing on the balls first, and I actually did believe that one. But the one of him leaning, and everybody's like, "Ooh, look! It's just like what Michael Jackson did." in the in that one live performance and he had pegs in the back of his heels right in that live performance where he did the lean him and all the other dancers had pegs in the back of their shoes it's like public knowledge you can go google it i i could but you just destroyed it for me thanks you ruined <laughs> you ruined magic forever for me now <laughs> you're welcome you're welcome. The only good magic is Harry Potter magic. Mm, so nice tie-in from last week. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, last weekly we did a sorting of all the Thunder players into the Hogwarts houses, and I totally annihilated Dylan and his wife Chelsea with my nerd knowledge. So go back and check that out. Go listen to my victory if you feel like it. So are we going to start calling the player of the week the fantastic beast of the week? I mean, I'm down. I don't. I'm biased, though. <laughs> <laughs> we can call them the chosen one. The chosen one? 
I don't get into yeah. all that Star Trek stuff, so you, you guys got it. Star it's Trek. all you. All right. So that's about it for the league at large. Um, but the Thunder, like we said, have a light week next week. There are two games, though, so we're still going to hit you with this week's forecast. All right, so the Thunder play Cleveland on Wednesday at home. Cleveland is 4-14 and on the season, tied for the second-worst record with the Phoenix Suns, just above the Atlanta Hawks. More on the Hawks later. The Cleveland Cavaliers are fresh off a victory against the reeling Houston Rockets. I think we can all be pretty happy about that. Are you happy about that, Matty? Oh, sure. I'm happy. Oh, oh sure. <laughs> they play at home against Minnesota before they play Oklahoma City next. Uh, Minnesota, again, is 5-5 five and five in their last 10, so they're not exactly lighting the world on fire. It's entirely possible we see a Cleveland Cavaliers team coming off three straight victories on Wednesday. Uh, however... To put a little water on that fire, their current leading scorer is Jordan Clarkson. I'm taking Kevin Love out of the equation because he is not playing anymore. Their current assist leader going into tonight was George Hill. You want to guess what his assist average was on the season going into tonight? I'm guessing it's nowhere near double digits. I'm probably going to go with like four assists a game. Uh, pretty close, pretty close. He's three assists a game. That's their leader Wow. on the season. Yeah. <laughs> nice ball three movement, assists. Cleveland. That's not good. I mean, I don't, he might be a really, really good passer, and they just can't make shots. You know, they just miss all his perfect passes. That's perfectly possible. There you um, go. Glass half full. Yeah, yeah. So the Thunder did beat Cleveland on November 7th, 95-86, to 86, without Russell Westbrook. Uh, that was the game in which Dennis Schroeder had 28 points, which was his first really, really good game of the season. The first game where he started to get some recognition outside of just Thunder Twitter as a good pickup. And if that's how Cleveland handles good point guards, here comes Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I think that's, um, you know, that. It's not going to be a very close game. Uh, if the Thunder stick to how they've been playing, you know, pretty much this whole season and beating teams that are really bad that they should beat pretty handily. Um, what's interesting is I'm looking at this thing and you could buy a ticket for $8 to this game. Uh, I think that might be a little different Ooh. than when Cleveland came to town last year. I wonder what the difference <laughs> is between Cleveland this year and last year. It's a battle, LeBron. <laughs> Yeah, one LeBron. That's that's a good unit of yeah. measurement. Um, <laughs> so, you know, again, Cleveland, they, they had a lot of role players to play around LeBron, and they just haven't, you know, it, obviously Colin Sexton isn't LeBron James, um, and they are missing Kevin Love. Uh, that team doesn't have an identity besides we 
are trying to figure things out. Um, but Jordan Clarkson, uh, he was uh, pretty good um, going against, uh, what was it, the Sixers? Didn't they come off of beating the Sixers the other night too? Um, yep. And Tristan Thompson said that the Eastern Conference still goes through Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> he said and, that after that game? Uh, he said it before. And then Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons were laughing at him. And then, you know, they're – you saw the final score and you're like, Oh, okay. Well, I mean, granted they only have four wins, but, um, that, that's, that's pretty interesting. And, uh, Jordan, I think Clarkson, it's just a, I think it's just a problem of tents. I don't think he's getting his tents quite right. It's not the Eastern conference goes through Cleveland. It's the Eastern conference will go through when, Cleveland. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, like run through. Yeah. Yeah. Right fair through them. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Um, but it was kind of funny, too, so we're not going to turn this into a Team Z podcast, but I just thought it was funny um, that Jordan Clarkson uh, had a little extracurricular stuff off the court, and uh, maybe Ben Simmons wouldn't be in appreciation of some of that uh, towards a certain gender. Um, so we'll move on uh, from Cleveland if you have nothing left. <laughs> I, I have nothing left. Move on. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, so... One of Oklahoma's, uh, the University of Oklahoma's prodigal sons returns, uh, and this is going to be his first game in Oklahoma since leaving college. I'm talking about one Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks. Um, so Atlanta Hawks have been amazingly consistent this season, um, but that consistency has been <laughs> bad consistency. Uh, they are winless in their last 10, uh, which is pretty remarkable, and they are 3-16 and 16 on the season. Uh, some stats. Oh, and it's probably going to be 11 because they play Charlotte in between, uh, you know, games playing us and their last 10. So Trey Young is their leading scorer at 15.6 points per game. Uh, Deadman has 6.8 rebounds. Trey Young has 7.8 assists. So 15.6 and 7.8 out of Trey Young's pretty, pretty good for a rookie, um, especially on a team that doesn't have a lot of talent around him. Uh, Kent Bazemore at 1.6 steals per game, and Denman has 1.5 blocks. So the Hawks don't have a lot to cheer about, but Trey Young is playing really well. Um, he's stuffing the stat sheet. He's had a couple of really bad games, but he's had some games where he's gone off for 28-ish points and been knocking on um, double-doubles. So he's... He's fine. He's probably going to get his. It wouldn't surprise me if he made four or five threes in the game, but ultimately the the Thunder won, um, you know, pretty convincingly by 15 or 20 in that game. There's not really a whole lot to talk about when you when it comes to the Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> so, uh, I think yeah. Fine. Well, yeah, agreed. Like it's it's this is a week the Thunder should go two and zero. Oh. All right. If the Thunder do not go two and zero, it's going to be a very disappointing week. Which I don't know. I think we're past the point where we can look at this week and just expect a loss, right? Although we lost to the Kings, that's just a weird matchup. They play a super fast pace, and the Thunder got caught in a weird one. Um, the Thunder are probably still going to be shorthanded at the two guard position for this entire week. I don't expect Ferguson or Diallo back. Hopefully, Abrinas can get over this sickness that has just drawn on and on and on. Uh, but I think either Luabu Cabarro 
or Abrines is going to be starting at the two, and the other one's going to be filling in most of the minutes at the backup two. We're probably going to still need a lot of Burton. Um, in the past, these would have been trap games, but I don't feel that they are anymore. I expect us to win these games by 15-plus going away, you know? So let's hope we get to see that in this so week. So are you predict, you're predicting 2-0? and Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. How about you? What do you got? Yeah, I'm predicting 2-0 and as well. And I think that uh, my boy Burton averages uh, anywhere from 13 to 15 points per game over the next two. Oh, baby. 13 to 15 points. <laughs> After his, what, was this a career high 11? Hey, you know, he's on the way up. He's getting buckets. All right, so we've got a we've got a co two and O prediction. We don't have predictions from the rest of our unit right now. Um, Anthony and Alex, Anthony and Alex have been going to games this weekend. Dylan Hunsinger actually made the trek from Kentucky to catch this Denver Nuggets loss, which kind of sucks for him and his friends and family uh but i'm sure he had a great time anyways regardless of the result i'm sure he had a great time so we don't have predictions from them uh we're gonna tweet out the prediction poll to you fans soon and you have again a few days to respond because we don't have a game until wednesday so no rush i expect us to get a 90 percent two and oh result in this poll and we're still working on what we're going to do with the results of this um, competition between us and the fans. It's going to be something involving embarrassment for the loser and videoing that embarrassment. Maybe something along the lines of like me walking through downtown Seattle in a Seattle sucks Oklahoma City rock shirt. Maybe something like Dylan, diehard Kentucky fan going into a Louisville sports bar wearing a Kentucky rock shirt. Like we'll, we'll, we'll find something cool to do um, and make it interesting for you guys. Cause we're going to try to make something cool out of this, but for I now just hope that no one goes to the hospital as a result of losing this bet. <laughs> well, yeah, well, <laughs> it might help our podcast if somebody does, you know, so like, let's take one for the team, right? <laughs> hey, you fans are worth it. We're supposed to be a unit. All right. All right. So with all that said, uh, we've alluded to this game against the Nuggets, this loss against the Nuggets a few times. So make sure and check out the recap of the Nuggets game. That will have come out the night before this podcast. Um, we're going to add some interesting audio from the game, including a live reaction from... Dylan and a few of his friends at having been to their first Oklahoma City game. I know I've been to a lot of them, and I know that lots of fans have never and maybe will never get to go to one. So I think as a reminder to people like me uh, as to how it feels to go to your first game, and maybe just as a window into that for the people who might never get a chance, I think this is going to be a really cool piece of audio that Dylan provides. Uh, until then, you can find us at OKC Topic Thunder on Twitter. Please follow us. We'd love to get some more follows. Uh, 
You can find us on thunderousintentions.com for the recap on now that's thunderbasketball.com for all the pods. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Please be sure to give us five star ratings and leave us reviews. Um, even advice. We love to have advice. We're very coachable. And you can find us wherever else you get your podcasts. And as always, Thunder Up. Thunder Up! For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.